And I'm not bitter for winning to 2014 Q School and yes, not getting did. the PGA Tour card. I'm not bitter about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you're right. <laughs> That's right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hole in One Show podcast. I'm your host, Dave Schultz. We've got a special, special podcast for you today. It is the family episode. Just got back from a family reunion, the Schultz family reunion out in uh, Chincoteague, Virginia. Now, my dad, he passed just over five years ago, July 5th, 2018. And uh, as as many of you who have had to um, understand that uh, family reunions uh, sometimes are born out of difficult situations. And we had a lot of family come into Detroit Lakes in 2018. And when dad passed, and it was, it was great to see everybody, obviously not under those circumstances. And at that time, we started talking about, hey, we got to get the whole family together, get the Schultz family reunion. And then COVID happened. And schedules are what they are. There's many of us who have little kids, and it's not easy to plan a week in the middle of summer to get together. Well, it happened. It happened. This past week, this past week in August, we all got together in Virginia, and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of great stories. And the really the coolest thing about the whole week was all these grandkids now and all these kids that are have meeting, meeting for the first time and just had an absolute ball. Now, one really interesting thing, and I know for, for those of you who have followed, I guess, my golf career know that I have a cousin who is a hell of a golfer. He spent time on the PGA Tour. He's a few years older than me. He's got, you know, I go to my own family reunion. I'm the second best golfer at this family reunion. His name is Brad Fritch. He's Canadian, but he's uh, by way of Raleigh, North Carolina now, and he's got a really interesting background when it comes to professional golf and a really, really cool new endeavor with Red Rooster Golf. So with no further ado, I'd like to continue the family reunion. Brad Fritch, welcome to the Hold On One Show podcast, buddy. It's awesome to be here, man. Good to see you. Yeah, th- we started talking about this around the around the pool, I think, about 1039. I said, hey, you got to be on the pod on, on Monday. What do you think? And here we are. What... Uh, what uh, what was your take of the family reunion? What was it, wasn't it fun? I had a blast. Uh, I tell everyone where we went, and nobody has a clue where it is. It's kind of funny <laughs> when you think about like Chincoteague Island. Where's that? And I say, I drove through Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, and then keep on going. And yeah. you're out in the water somewhere, and um, it was great. It was great. It was great to see everybody. Uh, gosh, like like you said, haven't seen you in in five years. Yeah. Uh, haven't seen you know Aunt Suzanne, Aunt Rosemary, everyone, and yeah. and the cousins even even longer. So it was uh, it was a blast. Uh, we had so much fun hanging out with your girls. Uh, good luck in about ten years. That'll be fun. <laughs> I have I have, a, I have a fourteen year old girl. You get a freshman in high imagine. school. You're entering high school I, I, again. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like with three of them going through what they go through at that age. So uh, <laughs> I don't even just uh, just just have fun right now because <laughs> it's going to get interesting. Hair hygiene and weddings. I'm going to start a GoFundMe page right now. It's oh going to be, God. but it is it is uh, it's a blast, and it was a lot of obviously so much fun to get together. And you and I, you know, we've we've seen each other a lot more over the past 15 years, and a lot of our family members have because we spent three years on the nationwide tour together, which is pretty doggone unique and i in fact think i was so proud that i had an older cousin playing professional golf that i honestly think that you you are in my tcu profile i was like i got a, I got a cousin named brad fritch who's on the canadian tour <laughs> so let's go through your playing background how old are you where are you from and and when your 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 uh, professional golf career started uh so i'm 45 right now 
So yes, everyone, five years away from the Champions Tour, like everyone asked me. Um, <laughs> I was about I, I turned to. Pro in, yeah. <laughs> uh, I turned pro in 2001. I played at Campbell University in North Carolina and uh, turned pro in 01, got on the Canadian Tour right away. It was just called the Canadian Tour back then and played uh, 01 to 06 on the Canadian Tour. Went to Q School every year. Um, Got out of first stage most of the time, and but the first time I ever got through second stage was 2006, and that got me some status on the what was then called the Nationwide Tour, and um, where was final? Finals was at PGA West, and I was actually in position for a tour card after round four. It was six rounds. They took 30 guys for the PGA Tour. I was in position for a tour card after four rounds with an 81 on wow. the uh on the on the scoreboard yeah it was like 71 81 67 63 and you were cold and you got really was, hot you got cold and you were hot yeah <laughs> well it was pj west stadium course it was the worst day of the six days and i just fell apart that day 81 was obviously horrendous uh but then i was i was in position and then just played okay and, and got nationwide tour status so i played nationwide 07 uh, I think at the end of 07, we did our first Q school together, and I think we yeah. actually shot the exact same score. That's right. So we had the same status for 08, which was just okay. Yeah. Um, Orange County but, National. But we, made it. we both finished like, yeah. 85th out of 170 yeah. players or whatnot. And I actually went back and looked at that uh, field the other day. D Dustin Johnson was in that field. I mean, I, there was some. it's weird when you go back to the, the Q school fields of you know late 2000s right and you see a bunch of names who are some who, who aren't playing anymore but some who are obviously had a successful career and that's where they started 100 percent. do you remember what happened in the first two rounds what the leader shot and we were like frank licklider frank licklider did he shoot 10 under each day i think he i think he was 61 62 so 11 and 10 and he he was driving you know, he rented a suburb maybe it was his suburban but i remember him he drove into the parking lot, Orange County National, with uh, Nickelback Rockstar blaring each of the first two mornings. <laughs> each of the first, like every, well, actually every single day, he, he came into the parking lot with that song blaring. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I told my caddy, Ross Hammond, I said, hey, we need to listen to Nickelback Rockstar uh, the last four <laughs> rounds. It didn't work. We finished 85th and he won the thing. But yeah, that's right. He was like 20 under through the first two rounds. And Frank, he he plays the part of a of a badass. He's you know he plays up. He's buddies with Navy SEALs and stuff like that. He is the biggest teddy bear in the world. Once you get to know him, <laughs> oh really? But he has those shades on. They call him the Blade because once he pulled a knife on someone and it was really big knife, um, <laughs> who was messing with him. But uh, <laughs> I could go down this road for hours. But uh, yeah, he he played unbelievable golf that week. That was that was fun. And you're right, the late 2000s Q school. It's a who's who of who's on tour right now, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and and that was back when you could actually get a PGA tour card uh, from Q school. So it was it was tough going back then. We I think we both didn't finish great mm -hmm. coming into. So we were also very we were pretty bitter golfers at that time. We were we had some starts, though, <laughs> and we got a, we, we, we had some starts the next year. Um, and I, I spent eight, nine, and ten out there, and and t talk about continue your path because it was interesting. You you get to the nationwide, kind of a step back, and then you know one step back, two steps forward. It's it's a really cool story of per uh, perseverance. Yeah. So oh seven, eight, nine. I had one you'd call decent year out there out of the three, and 
you know, I didn't have any really great finishes and I got uh, relegated back to the Canadian tour in 2010 and 2011, which is where I played what I thought was amazing golf. I played awesome. Yeah. And uh, it's funny at the end of 10, I missed at first stage and it was just one of those, I just didn't play very good. And, and I think I told my dad, he spotted me some money going into 11 and uh, I'm like, dad, I got so much better this year. I played really well. Mm. Just the one week killed me at Q school. So um, really good perspective. That's not easy because when I went back to no. Q school in 2010 and I'd lost my card, I needed to, I leaned on that Q school and I didn't play well. It was like, the world was ending. I was like, I'm, I'm not good enough. It's, you know, I, I had a chance to make the PGA tour. It didn't happen. And I, you know, quite frankly, I took it really hard. Whereas you, you're, sh you're, you're sharing that you're just like, well, it's one bad week. Hey, I need some cash to start next year. I'm going to go rip it up again. That's that, that's not easy to do. It, it's really not. And fortunately, uh, I played a really nice schedule in 11. I played Canadian tour and then we had in North Carolina, what was called the e-golf tour back then. Mm. And we were getting, it's unique in mini tour terms now, but we were getting 220 players a week, two golf courses, you know, 40 grand was for first place. You don't see it anywhere anymore. No, you don't. Um, and, and I had a bunch of good finishes out there too. So I, I made some pretty decent cash in 11, went to Q school, played well, or well enough to get, uh, which was now the web.com tour, got on the web.com tour in 2012 and just played solid the entire year in 12 and got on the PGA tour in 13. So uh, I think my my kind of holistic perspective in 2010 was I'm getting better for sure. sure. And definitely the experiences of failing in 7, 8, 9. Um, and I use failing in a broad sense because I had some okay finishes. It didn't play great, but... Yeah you're playing against better competition, better golf courses than you are on mini tours and in Canada. So definitely learning a lot. And then and and that, uh, and now you set, spend two years back in the Canadian tour, you're playing well, e-golf tour, you're playing well. And you, you got to be just thinking through those two years. If I just get my shot, if I get my shot back at, at the web.com is what it was called. If I get my shot, I'm going to take this and, and grab it by the horn, grab the bull by the horns. And that's exactly what you did. You spent, you pretty much skipped right off the web.com tour onto the PGA tour in 2013. I did, and I don't think it was a coincidence that I met my future caddy kind of midway through 2012. Okay. Um, you know, you can you can see on TV they play up the caddy player relationship sometimes, and then sometimes they downplay it. Well, this one it was a case of I found like my ideal match, and it was actually an old friend back from Ottawa where I grew up, yeah. and we were just we meshed. Uh, his wife thought it was a two week. Uh, <laughs> Just a two-week vacation in Georgia. Basically, yeah. we played Athens, Athens and uh, Valdosta, I think, and um, and it turned into the next four and a half years of my life and his life too. So it was it was awesome. He's a best green reader I've ever met in my life, um, and and we formed a great partnership in 2012. And it was probably the best I've ever putted too. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a fairly good ball striker, kind of day in day out. I've always struggled with putting, and I putted really well especially towards the end of that year. And he was a big part of it. So uh, I came down the last couple of events and needed some decent finishes. I think the last event of the regular season, I finished 10th in Jacksonville and then went to the tour championship and finished ninth nice. and got my tour card. I think, I think I finished 18th overall okay. uh, for the year. And that's when they took 25 for the, um, uh, for tour cards. Well, I wouldn't know close, but I wouldn't know. What is that feeling? <clears throat> when you've realized that you've made the PGA tour? 
Uh, well, from behind the stage where they were introducing the PGA Tour card holders, I got on Twitter, now known as X, and I said, holy shit, I'm getting onto the PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a call from the 904 area code two days later, and they're like, uh, can you take that down, please? Um, whenever you get a call from nine, 904, it's Ponte Vedra, Florida, and you're like, oh, God, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's an amazing feeling and it mm -hmm. kind of makes you look back on all the stuff that you sure. either had to go through what you did what you did wrong and and especially the stuff that you did right well and i mean if you if you just on an ascending the whole time you're right out of school and you make the pga tour 25 26 you haven't really experienced any step setbacks or failures and you experienced that and now you're sitting there at, at the end of you know at the beginning of 2013 with a full pga tour card take us through your rookie year so I'm 35, uh, yeah. getting on the PGA Tour as a rookie, and this was the year before they were going to do the, I don't know what you call it, the wraparound schedule. Okay. And so we had from January to September, and that was the condensed schedule, and then October of the same year, so October of 2013 was going to be the 2014 schedule, if right. that makes sense. Yep. So it was short. Uh, I got off to an amazing start. I finished you know, 40th in Hawaii, 50th in uh, Palm Springs, and then I've had a top 10 at Torrey Pines. So all of a sudden, I'm pretty high up in the reshuffle for the web.com tour graduates, and I'm getting into bigger tournaments. Like, uh, well, I top 10 into Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I'm getting into Honda. I'm getting into Tampa. I'm getting into Bay Hill. So now hold on a, a second. Now, now at Torrey, at Torrey, did you, is this your rookie year? Your third event. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and third or fourth event. Third yeah. or fourth event. And uh, you had an interesting pairing, didn't you? Uh, it wasn't a pairing. Everyone asked me this. It's funny. <laughs> so, uh, Tori, uh, after two rounds, I was, I think, eight under. It's a funny story about Friday. So, Friday was awful weather. It rained on and off. It just miserable. And I played the south course, and I shot five under. Nice. Uh, with no bo with no bogeys, I get in the locker room, and at Torrey Pines, the locker room is very small. It's actually just an appropriated dining room, and they have mini lockers. It's not much of a of a PGA Tour locker room. But I'm um, walking through, and Charles Howell says, "Hey, man, great playing. That's awesome." And Robert Garrigus turned around. And he goes, "What'd you shoot?" And I said, five under on the south course. He said, how? <laughs> because it was that hard. That's it was great. kind of funny. Um, so I get, I'm in the second last group. Tiger's in the lead group uh, for the day. We go out Saturday and we have no golf on Saturday. The fog rolled in and out and in all day. Okay. And there was no golf played. I think one group played one hole. So on Sunday we go out and... Sunday we go out and they just say, you're going to play as much golf as you can today. We're not going to repair. So I played in front of Tiger okay. for 28 holes or, or 20, 26 holes on, uh, on Sunday. And then they took us out on Monday and we finished. I think I started on number eight. And so we, we played the remaining 11 holes on, on Monday. So I played in front of Tiger yeah. for 36 holes over two days. Uh, not the most fun experience because everyone's there to watch him. Sure. And so they're kind of running up on you the whole yep. time. It's a little bit, it's, it's just distracting is what it is. That's what they say but, is, is uh, the group in front of Tiger back in the day or any day now that he plays. I mean, that's, that's the most difficult group to play in from a distraction perspective. 100%. And it's just because the mob of people is kind of, running up to see his shot come in and you're in that group that they're running up on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I played, I played pretty well the, 
uh, in round three throughout the whole day. And I think I was in second place going into uh, Monday, the Monday finish. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, they, they kind of, we get in these vans and we drive out to the eighth hole and it's a par three, a little short hole, like 160 yards. And we're driving down the cart path and there's so many people that the side uh, mirrors on the van are hitting people as we're driving down because <laughs> people are just aren't getting out of the way and people are yelling and cursing. And of course, they're all there to watch Tiger, right? right. And I ha- and I have to hit first. There's got to be 20,000 people on a 160-yard par three. I am crapping my pants. <laughs> and I, I, I like to say I close my eyes and hit it. Hit a, in second hit a place. Shot. That's great. But, Monday finish, you're in second place. You have, uh, what, 10 holes left to play? You have 20,000 people around you, and you just, you're just shaking. You close your eyes and oh, swing. 100%. That's exactly what happened. Um, didn't, didn't play great the, the, that Monday. I think I finished birdie birdie to finish ninth, nice. which was a good – I mean, it was just nice to finish that way. Yeah. And then got into Phoenix the next week, which was – the only time I played Phoenix and it was, bonkers. Uh, that's a different, yeah, it's just bonkers. It is. It's a crazy event. So that was your first year on tour, a hot start. Um, how many total years on tour? You made 38 cuts in the PJ tour. Is that correct? Uh, something like that, give or take. I don't know if they count the ones that I, you know, you qualify for the U.S. Open and, and make the cut. But it's not count during it. a PGA Tour year. Count it. No, I I certainly count it. Yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the first year I made nineteen out of twenty five cuts. That's that is hot. That is I good had, golf. I had, but the weekends, if if I learned anything, was that I tried way too hard to shoot a low number on the weekends. Hmm. And I look I look back and I I think if I had shot seventy ones or seventies or even seventy twos on weekends, I would have kept my card easily. And sure. I didn't. Sure. So you lost your card first year. Lost my card the first year and went back to the web.com uh, final four events. Okay. And I go miscut, 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 second. <laughs> and I got my card back. <laughs> yeah, I got my card back. So it's incredible yeah. the ups and downs and the last minute sort of, uh, you know, qualifiers or the last minute, you know, high finishes that can, I mean, it, it, you're only as good as your last tournament. And you're only, you really, unless you win on the PGA Tour, you really only get anything for a year. So every year is your contract year, and if you're not if you're not at the highest level, if you don't have endorsement deals, or you know you don't have guaranteed paychecks, I mean you're essentially at the at the mini tour level. You're paying to go to work. You're paying to to chase this dream. Uh, obviously, you're believing yourself and you're doing something you're passionate about. But it is it is not a great business model until you get there. Until you get there, you're absolutely right. And you know plenty about that in your early years. Uh, you just rely on yourself. You rely on the belief in your in your talent, your ability. And what I did was lean on people who believed in me the most. And that was my my family, my yeah. swing coach, and who eventually became my caddy, or the guy who eventually became my caddy. And and those were kind of the, the chief uh, factors in me getting as far as I did. And and I'll tell anyone, I, I can't believe I made it as far as I did because what's going on in this head during uh, a round of golf, especially at the highest levels, you wouldn't even want to know about it. Like it's it's not <laughs> well, it's, it's not anything anyone wants to hear. Well, you you can still ball. In fact, you just played in a Canadian tour event a couple of weeks ago. You were inducted into the Ottawa Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, you're the the uh, the most famous golfer ever to come out of the the city of Ottawa. Correct. Well, uh, I'm 
I'm the only player to get to the PGA Tour, but Brooke Henderson grew up about a half hour out of the city. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cede that title to her. No problem. Okay. No All questions right. asked. All right. Um, she does She does okay for herself, but I am the only male player ever to get to the PGA Tour, so I take That's awesome. pretty, a big amount of pride in that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, like I said, you still have a lot of game. What's the plan? I mean, 45... You you've always been a long hitter, and that we've always and we're talking about now. You have to be able to hit it three twenty off the tee to compete. You can do that. What's the plan going forward? I, I you as we talked about this past weekend, uh, this past week, you haven't missed a Q school. You've gone every single year, other than the COVID year where they didn't have it, and you're on the fence to go to Q school this coming year. So what what's going forward for you? Um, how often are you practicing? Uh, I think you should go to Q school. Have you made a decision in the last two days? <laughs> How often am I practicing? Never. That's the thing that holds me back from making that decision right now. I just don't practice uh, with the with the new business. I play a little bit once a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could still play. It's the hard shots that get me. Like if if there's a three wood over water, I just shouldn't attempt it. I really? should just lay up and wedge it on. Yeah, it's the hard shots that that hurt me the most, and and just I'm I'm not consistent enough to try those. Uh, on a regular basis, especially in competition. That's the big thing. That's when your worst comes out is when you're stressed sure. to the max, right? Yeah. So I'm very comfortable playing in competition. I know what my limits are, uh, especially now. Uh, you mentioned the Canadian Tour event. I shot 72-70. That was even par. The cut was two under. I thought I played okay. Uh, I putted really poorly for about 27 holes, and that's always the thing, like I mentioned, that holds me back. So mm-hmm. um to get me to Q school, I'd have to start really, you know, digging in and, yeah. and really and really preparing. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to, but uh, well, we've talked about this a couple of times. The carrot is they've now reintroduced the PGA Tour card. Yes. So thank you. You know, you thanks you for not having that in of, our prime. Appreciate that for yeah. not having it for the last <laughs> yeah, exactly. 10, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. carrot out there now. So the, the obviously it's a gauntlet to get through Q school. I think you said you're going to, you know, if you went back to Q school, you go back to first stage. But if you do That's get right. to finals and you finish in the top five, hey, you're in the show. You're in the show for many years now. It's just been you're getting to the Corn Ferry Tour, which is still great. But, you know, to really have that carrot out there, it used to be 30, you know, when you said you first went to Q school. Now, it, then it was 25 when I got there. And now, and for yep. many years, it was nothing, and now it's back to five. So there is that carrot out there. There is that carrot out there. And I'm not bitter for winning to 2014 Q School and yes, not getting did. the PGA Tour card. I'm not bitter about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you're right. <laughs> That's right. He wins. Yeah. Yes, Brad won final stage of Q School. Uh, bury the lead, man. One final stage of Q School in 2014, and, and, and it was in one of the years, in that group of years, that the you know there was no no cards to the PGA Tour. But that is that's quite an impressive feat to be able to win final stage of Q school. It was bizarre, man. We played at PGA National, which is the Honda Classic golf course, the Bear Trap, mm-hmm. and it was six rounds again. And you played three rounds there and three rounds at I think the Fazio course at PGA National. And the Fazio course, I didn't play great. I think I was nine under for three rounds. It was pretty easy. And the Bear Trap course, I was eighteen under for three rounds. I won by seven. I've never wow. putted like that in my life. If I could find the putter from that week, it's in there. I would use it. It's I can't in find there. It. I don't you know can't... where it is. It's what? It's in that. Gar- it's in that garage where I. Uh, there's a lot of stuff oh, in there. No. Okay. Well, um, I would start digging right now. You got a month <laughs> until Q school. You got like three weeks until yeah. sign up. I would find that putter and go. Because if you putt, that's equalizer. I don't care. I mean, if you can putt, you can putt. 
Yeah, it, it was an amazing week. Um, and it's so funny juxtaposed that course in December when it was perfect weather. It was 80 degrees every day to April when it's miserable there, windy. Mm-hmm. You know, what course I was playing was not the one that they play in April at the Honda. It was just yeah. completely different. Wow. Uh, but yeah, like I said, they didn't have a tour card, so I got my fully exempt uh, web.com card, and that was fine. Well, speaking of uh, preparation, we really, other than talking about it, we didn't really prepare this past week. I think we both had a record caloric intake at the fam reunion. We were having a lot of fun. I think we're in the middle of fasting right now just to be able to uh, make a turn on a golf ball. Hey, I, I know you've at, you're asked this a lot because five years, you know, it's going to go quick. Uh, are there senior tour aspirations? I would say uh, it interests me quite a bit. The only thing that kind of concerns me is that I question how competitive I'll remain in the next couple of years. And the guys who kind of come from my background, a Scott Perrell, a Steve Alker, those guys played it when they were 48, 49. They were playing competitive golf, whether it was uh, the Corn Ferry Tour, Mm Web.com Tour, whichever tour they were playing. They were were members. They played every week. up until they were 50. And yeah. so I, I don't have those. I, I can't, you know, no crystal ball. Can't tell you if I'll be playing 48, 49 years old, you know, week in, week out. But those those are the kind of guys who are kind of have the similar record as I do and and couldn't walk straight onto the Champions Tour. They had to qualify. Yeah. And I, you got to get out there I, and grind. You got to grind going into yeah, it, right? Yes. Yeah. I can't. Kind of like your you 10 and 11 be, Canadian Tour year. You had to, you had to grind there. To be ready for the yeah, there, for your second chance at the web.com. Right. There was not taking three years off and then expecting to walk onto the web.com or PGA tour, right? There yeah. was, you know, you had to go and, and play. And so what I'm doing now takes a lot of time. And so I haven't I'm not putting the time into golf. So maybe I will in the next couple of years. I'm not sure. But sure. it's gonna take a ton of effort and and some luck, obviously, because Champions Tour Q school is about the hardest thing. Uh, hardest tour to get onto, right? Five cards, yeah. and there's a thousand people trying, and and you know there's guys turning fifty every day who are <laughs> legendary players, right? Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, we'll see. Speaking of your new endeavor, uh, we're going to take a quick break and get back and talk a little Red Rooster Golf with its co-owner Brad Fritch. We'll be right back after this. Any bank can tell you they have a rock-solid commitment to agriculture. Bell can prove it. To this day, every Bell Bank branch is partially built with rocks we've picked from our founder's farm. But our roots in ag have grown more than a few offices. They've shaped who we are and formed our entire approach to banking. Let us prove it to you as you grow your farm and prepare your legacy for the next generation. Bell Bank. Committed to ag. Golf to me is patience. It's weird to say, but golf is life. It is, it's the ultimate game of life. You know, it's an individual sport. You have to put in a lot of work to get minimally better. That's kind of the beauty of it. You come back to improve. That's why I love golf is just every shot is, is different. That next round, that next shot, you know it could be that start of a story. I don't even want to say a game, it's more than a game kind of annoyed me like you think they just give out pga tour cards like what do you <laughs> what, what's what's going on here no but you <laughs> passed the devil's like, pulpit i, I right. guess yeah welcome back everybody to the whole of one show podcast uh welcome you back into uh the family affair here on the pod 
Brad Fritch cousin. Now this is this is not like some distant cousin. You know, Brad and I, uh, Brad's mom and my dad, brother sister. And uh, like I mentioned, lost dad just over five years ago. But it was great to see your your mom, Brad, and and the sister act as we call them, uh, all all of uh, dad's sisters. And uh, I think they had more fun than anybody. I think. I think they always do when they get together. They're yeah. they're a funny bunch, and they they laugh similarly. My kids will say that they. You know, you can't tell if you if you went if you left the room and heard all of them laughing, they yeah. all laugh exactly the same. Yeah. Their sense of humors are very similar. It's it's fun to watch. Yeah. And one thing Suzanne, um, my dad's older sister, mentioned it was she goes, There's a couple times this week I just closed my eyes and I heard your dad. And that, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, that's what these family reunions are all, all about. And uh yeah, sister it was that was fun. Now your mom, hey. Your dad was giving me the whole rundown of your mom's golf game. They still play three or four days a week. Your mom's in her upper seventies, and she's. He said he said she'd put he'd put her up against anybody sixty yards and in. Is your mom short game that that prolific? I've never seen someone hit a full lob wedge thirty yards, but that's what she does. <laughs> like it goes up in the air too. It's not a chip. Yeah. Um. But she her her iron uh, distances the the separation is like eight yards. It's sure. very. Uh, it's very not it's not technical it's just a function of age and how far how sure. slow she swings it but uh she's very straight she puts it well and if she could find a t block to go up to mm-hmm. i think her handicap would be even better than it is i think she's like an 18 that's great um, but she just can't she can't reach you know par fours and fives in regulation and sometimes mm-hmm. she can't reach them in four shots so um she's she's a great player for for her age how far she hits it yeah. Uh, it's 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 quite something to watch her hit a full swing wedge though from so close. I get uncomfortable a little bit if just, I did that. You, uh, you'd see the ball sailing. Yep. Well, the cool um, thing is your dad was fun. saying that they've got date they've got date Sundays. They play golf every yep. Sunday. That is that is neat. That is the game. That is the game that we love, and that is that is special stuff. It is, and it's funny because based on who I talk to, if I talk to them that day or the day after, I'll get a report of how it went. Mm-hmm. And my dad will say it was a great time, and my mom will say he just thinks too much. I don't know what he's thinking when he's chipping. <laughs> like it's it's <laughs> it's it's really funny. Yeah, that is the greatest. Now let's talk. Let's switch gears a little bit. PGA Tour. Hey, we got a guy out there winning back to back tournaments. He's given us hope. He's forty three years old, Lucas Glover. I mean, the guy's. This guy's on a roll. What do you what do you think? Uh, what do you take from the last couple of weeks on the PGA Tour? So I remember him at first stage at Q School in North Carolina, and this had to be 01, 02. He was coming out of Clemson. I knew his name, uh, and what they said last week about him flushing it, and if you you know close your eyes and you don't know who's hitting it, his ball sounds the best. It sounded the best back then too. It, it just smokes it. Sounds so good. Um, it's always been about putting for him, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I've seen some old videos on, on X that we call it now, yeah. uh, the last couple days about how he struggled with his putting and they show some of the strokes and it's like, delete, delete, delete. You never want to see that. Yeah. And now you see long putter strokes and it looks great. Uh, he's found something, man. And, and yeah. to go, and to go back to back, especially this week against the field at the, uh, St. Jude amazing right and now he's been working I, I don't know if he still is but i know for a time there he was working with ward jarvis and we talked about ward this past week you know i i had the 
I'll just say it. I had the driver yips. I, I mean, that took that, that gave me the insight. Of like, hey, you know, probably pro golf's not going to work anymore. Is I would get to the ball and it would come full stop. I would like tear my right oblique and the ball would go to a next next the next <laughs> oh, county no. to the right. And I'm like, I just want to kind of enjoy this game and go, you know, be able to play with my kids someday. And I can't do it if I have the driver yips. And so um, I watched a guy and you know him really well too, Brendan Todd. Went through a lot of struggles in professional golf for many, for many years, uh, missed, I don't think a, a year of cuts. And he started working with Ward who had caddied for him one time before. And, and Ward has an interesting story. I'd love to get him on the pod. In fact, I'm going to here uh, pretty soon. And this guy is, is doing wonders. And I know he's been working with, uh, he got Brendan out of the issue he was working with and are going through and Brendan's won a couple times and is now having, again, a prolific career on the PGA Tour. And I think Ward was working with Lucas Glover, uh, I do believe, on the green. And it's just amazing how mental this game is. You said the things that you're th- going through your head when you're, you're playing golf. And um, I'm going to keep going and say that Padraig Harrington was interviewed while he was playing the U.S. Senior Open or the, the, the British Open last week and really talked about when you get to a certain level, everybody has the same ability. It's all between the ears. It's all about how you can handle the mental game. Um, I guess touch on that a little bit with yourself, but also, you know, Lucas, he's obviously putting well and and working with Ward. Yeah. And I, I largely agree with what Padraig Harrington said. I, I did see him. I actually think I saw the interview live and he's to an extent, he's right. You know, everyone has their good weeks and their bad weeks. Uh, but, someone who is playing really well versus someone else who's playing really well, the mental game does distinguish who's going to play the best or score the best that week. And it might just come down to a single shot, the confidence you have to pull a shot off, mm-hmm. uh, the the mental toughness to maybe not take something on and sure. to accept, you know, uh, you know, don't compound a bad shot, don't follow it with a dumb one. Uh, stuff like that can really determine the difference between winning and losing and in pro golf it's so hard to to accept second place as losing but we've we're into a a time in the sports world when someone can finish second and you can call them the first loser loser which is really unfortunate because if you were the first loser last week you beat 68 players yeah you know out of out of 70 it's really unfair but it's the world we live in and and one shot they're going to kind of break down and tell you why that shot didn't go your way so mm-hmm. uh, again it's the it's the ability to kind of to perform in those high pressure situations sometimes back off sometimes go you know absolutely go for it yeah and then sometimes you just bury something that you you know totally didn't expect to and i think uh, lucas made about a 20 footer on 17 for par i think it was and you know if you break down the percentages that's a 15 to 20 percent make rate and he just had the confidence to roll it in and you know he read it perfectly struck it perfectly it just was a perfect storm for him and it has been the last two weeks it's pretty amazing um, because this guy was was he 114th two weeks ago uh got into the top 70 and now he's you know potentially looking at a Ryder cup spot after it's incredible you know he, he you know, about two months ago, he's probably thinking about, man, I'm going to lose my entire PGA Tour card here. Yeah, and and it's interesting in professional golf, your your peak, your peak playing years are actually probably after your peak physical ability, and so you're you're past your peak physical ability, but you've gotten it, you've gotten there, you've gotten there mentally, you know when to take things on, you know when not to, and you're you're more mature around a golf course in a tournament. Yeah, I think. 
10 years ago, that would be absolutely the case, you know, 100% of the time. I think the game now is changing a little bit because, as you said before, you have to be able to hit at a certain distance. If you can't, yeah. you really have no chance. And that's kind of something that I look at right now when you talk about me trying to compete. I'm, you know, I'm long for the amateur golfer. I can still carry it about 280, 285. You know, if I had a driving average, it would probably be 300 yards. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just about average now on the PGA Tour. Sure. So that that's the kind of thing where there's a there's another level of athlete out there right now. There's another level of speed, yeah. and it's, uh, it's it's really impressive. It's it's impressive to watch sometimes, but it's also it makes me wonder about the state of the game when yeah. it's it it tends to be all about speed now. And it's like, what if they you know come to a course where you know it's a you know Hogan's Alley type thing? What are guys going to do? Yeah. Um, but anyways, that this is the state of the game right now, and and getting back to Lucas Glover, he still kills the ball, so yeah, <laughs> he's not yeah. he's not worried. Yeah. Well, and and on that point, uh, you know the the kids are kids. They've grown up on Trackmans. They've had all of the best um, information at their fingertips on every swing, not just maybe once a week like we did back in the day when we had a professional put his eyes on our golf swing in the in the ball flight. Like literally getting feedback right away on what swing, what movement is producing the least amount of spin with the highest launch. And, you know, I don't take anything away from these guys who are in college who are playing great golf and they can bomb it. But we had a little match with NDSU guys uh, last year, and all these guys are hitting it high and 330, and it's just a different game. Now, you know, those guys are also hitting full sand wedges from 110. And they're not getting to a back flag because they're landing it at the flag, ripping it off the front. So you have to have be able to have both games. You got to be able to, you know, hit sh- certain windows with a wedge, with uh, you know, dead-handed three-fingered wedge to get it to the back and hit different shots. But the bottom line is, you can mask a lot of things that you need to get better at if you're hitting it that far. You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. You know, the stats will say the closer you are to the green, the the lower your score is going to be. Yeah. So that's why guys are taking driver out on most holes, ripping it um, for the most part. doesn't matter where they hit it. Um, they'll hit 50% probably of fairways and they'll be okay. Yeah. So I think um, course design comes into a lot of this. I think we we're kind of going the wrong way with course design, opening everything up. That just kind of plays into the modern, uh, the modern idea of smashing it as far as you can. But yeah. anyways, uh, philosophically wise, that's how I feel. Sure. But um, you're, but, there is the the one thing that I always come back to is uh, Bryson DeChambeau kind of started this right of guys ripping it you know the the guy who could take his speed to the max and the most impressive thing that I thought he ever did what didn't have anything to do with US Open winning or anything like that it was getting to the Remax long drive and finishing the top eight I thought that was incredible unbelievable like these guys do it for a living they're out there week after week they specifically train for this and he's playing PGA Tour at the time and he goes ah I think I'll try and the Remax long drive and he finishes top eight I thought that was amazing and I'm not a guy who I don't like him very much uh, <laughs> on a on a professional level, but that was super impressive. And so I think uh, there's just you see guys who swing on the PGA Tour 125, 130. It's it's amazing. I I can't believe they have any degree of control with sure. their driver mm-hmm. with that speed because I'm at 110 now and I drive it about as straight as I've ever driven it, yeah. which says a lot about technology, but another 15 miles per hour i don't know where that thing would be going okay so with that said with the game kind of getting out 
ahead of the headlights here and uh, course design catering to the big hitter. What are your thoughts on the ball, uh, ball rollback or the uni- uniform ball for uh, the professional game? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I, I, I think it's a tough thing to sell um, to guys like me who believe that the best thing about golf is that I could go tee it up with any guy who has an insurance job or whatever, and we're playing to a degree the same equipment, uh-huh. and I have a handicap and he has a handicap, and we can go play against each other. Sure. And I think you lose a lot when I would go and I have a different ball. I'm being technically limited with how far I can hit it. I, I do think that it's a tough sell on the amateur side to roll the ball back because people enjoy hitting it far. The game yeah. should be about having fun um, and getting the most out of your game that you could possibly get. And to kind of roll that back now and to to have people accept, okay, you're going to hit it 15 yards shorter, but trust me, it's for the good of the game. You're not going to be able to sell that. So it's, it's really tough for me to think about this issue and think that there's a an ideal solution. I do like the professional game. If you're looking at it solely from a pro point of view, yes, uh, to get the ball to go shorter. Uh, I really do think they could minimize or, or make the driver head smaller. Okay. And that would, that would do a lot, I think in terms of being able to have to hit the middle of the face and, and making it harder for guys who swing faster to control the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's a tough thing for me to articulate. I don't know if I'm doing a good job yeah, of are. it, but you I are. do so- think, you kind of like the, I do dri- think the driver rollback the, rather than the ball rollback on the professional level. I, I do. I think that I think that it's garbage for a guy like so Bryson came out after he won at Greenbrier and he said, "Man, I love this club, but doesn't matter where I hit it on the club face." <laughs> that to me that sucks. And yeah. and good for him for finding it and shooting 6158. I've played that golf course. I never approached those scores. Those are amazing scores. Yeah. Um but for a club to be able to do that it reminds me of the home improvement episode where the guy never swung. He just held the club and he he jerry-rigged it so that it the ball just took off <laughs> and, and it went dead straight like is that what we're doing now? It doesn't sure. matter where you hit it on the face. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a big issue for me. Uh, I, it's got to be something sustain- sustainability for golf, right? I mean, absolutely. That's that. That's a lot of acres. It's not easy to build a golf course and water the thing and 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 um, <clears throat> be able to have it to a point where it can be played by the amateurs, but also the pros. Because even yep. though the pro events it's- only there once a week, you got to water that tee box. You got to water that fair. You got to you got to do all that stuff year round. Yeah, and I, I just I, I always have a tough time reconciling the fact that then the pros and the AMs aren't playing the same equipment mm-hmm. and and won't be able to compare them apples to apples, which I think is the absolute beauty uh, of the game. Like I know a bunch of people who after the Canadian Open played Oakdale Country Club this past year, you know, Nick Taylor, seventy two foot putt, Canadian wins a Canadian Open, amazing. I know a bunch of guys who went there and played the next day, same pins, same sure. green speed, same tees, and they had um, Nick's drives on every hole marked. Oh, cool. You know, they, they, they could compare exactly how he played the golf course. Yeah. Uh, we could never get on a court and play with Roger Federer or Nadal. We could never, you know, get in an NHL game to play against Gretzky or, or whoever, but we can play the same game. Yeah, as a PGA Tour players can on the same field with the same equipment, give or take. I know there's, you know, little things that that are done with pro equipment, but I just think it's an amazing part of golf, and yeah. I 
I would not like to see that end. Really well put. Really well put. So <clears throat> speaking of uh, a new endeavor and uh, things that are, we're not, they're not going to end. Your pro career is not ending. But you've got a new career here, Red Rooster Golf. Let's talk about this. Folks, go to redroostergolf.com, get your credit card out, and Brad's going to tell you all about <laughs> it here. So Red Rooster was a company that a buddy of mine up in Ottawa founded. His name is Kerry Moher. We played uh, junior and amateur golf together. Kerry went to Kentucky State University. Interesting story because it's a um, historically black college, and yet the entire golf team was white. They would go to the uh, HBCU golf championships, get funny looks. Very huh. interesting story. Right. Um, but uh, he, he came back. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He owns a number of businesses, and... Uh, the story kind of starts, I was on my way to, it was during COVID, I was on my way to the Workday uh, Championship Monday Qualifier. So if you recall, they had back-to-back events at Muirfield. One was the Memorial. Mm-hmm. The week before, they had the Workday Championship. I went and tried to Monday. Uh, and, you know, for those kids who are thinking about a career in golf, stay in school. I shot eight <laughs> under par. Oh, no. And oh, signed no. my card and, and drove seven and a half hours home. No. Uh, so, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. They only had two spots that year. If they had four, it would have been fine. I would have been in. But they had two because of the COVID year. Mm-hmm. They wanted more members to get in more events. Totally get it. Okay. Uh, so that's what happened. There was a 10. There was a nine. On the screen, when I signed my card, I'm like, okay, good plan. I'll enter that into my handicap and go home. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> so, yeah. So on the way home, Carrie calls me and he kind of just starts asking me about golf gloves. And I'm thinking, where is this going? I don't think about gloves. I get them from Titleist Footjoy. I don't really have any thoughts about golf gloves. I've used the same one for six years. Mm-hmm. And so I ask him, where's this going? And he And he just said, what do you think about a golf glove company that had a few different... Uh, aspects of it that are different from current golf companies. I said, okay, well, what are you talking about? And so we started talking about a golf glove subscription. He started talking about a golf glove that would be competitive in the marketplace, um, delivered to someone's door, and when you buy one, you give one to Junior Golf. And I'm thinking, oh, "Hmm, cool, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, like an interesting concept. There were a bunch of companies who I thought of right away who do that outside of golf. I think it was uh, Bombas Socks does that for razors, razors there's a razors there's a yeah. razor subscription service and he loves harry's razors or uh dollar shave club sorry dollar, he likes yeah. dollar shave club. yeah and he and he takes a lot of their ideas and makes them his own so uh, i get back and we start really talking about it and he said well if i can make a really great glove would you come on board and i said sure absolutely i'm not doing much right now it's it, you know we're, we're in COVID. i don't know where my golf career is going i haven't played a full season in two years let's see what happens so he says all right i'm going over to indonesia to meet with a whole bunch of golf glove manufacturers and i say why indonesia and then i do some research and basically every golf glove not every golf club 90 percent of golf gloves are made in indonesia they have uh access to great leather they are expert uh, seamstresses or sewing you know they, yeah. they know how to sew really well and they have great tariff arrangements in that um at in that uh, leather goods manufacturing okay. where they import to different countries at a very favorable tariff rate so he goes over there uh he has some great stories about it you know i think he met he showed up at the gate three different times with appointments before they actually let him in 
Like the first appointment was, yes, yes, we know you, Mr. Carey, you have an appointment. Um, We're full. (laughs) And they turn him away and he's like, did I just fly around the world for nothing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he finally got in there. Uh, We found a great manufacturer. We did a uh, a Kickstarter campaign, which is, it's not a GoFundMe. It's more of a, um, like, here's a product at a reduced rate. You know, we put it out on the internet and we raised a bunch of money. I think it was about $100,000 in 30 days. We sent a thousand people uh, golf gloves, whether it was a one, a three or a six pack. I think that's how we started out. That was the summer of 2021. Now, this whole thing started during COVID, which was a fantastic idea. You know, shipping lanes are clogged. Sure. Ships are Brutal. ships are full. Like, you know, workforces are working kind of 50% because mm-hmm. they don't want the entire workforce to get sick over there. It was uh, it was a battle because sure. in the very beginning, we could get gloves in 60 days. And at one point, we were waiting 15 months for an order. Ooh. So, it was, it, it was, it was brutal, but yeah. we, we persevered. So, uh, we're two and a half years in. Okay. Uh, we have a whole bunch of styles of gloves. They're really good. We, uh, I had never heard of a company called My Golf Spy, but since since I've been introduced to them, uh, I've understood how how impactful they can be. Last year, we were voted the number one performance glove that they rated, and there were like forty five of them. Big. So that's big. One, yeah, massive, massive. So um, that's our cape glove. It. It looks kind of like a FootJoy Cyflex, if I'm it. being honest. Yep, yep, I see and, it right here. And that's the glove I wore actually on tour. So, uh, so my golf spy rated rated us number one and number two uh, performance golf gloves last year, and that kind of it 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 was kind of a, a recognition in the golf marketplace that these gloves are really good. Yeah, uh, what we kind of put our we put our stock in our gloves. They're a little bit thicker than a normal glove that you buy which means they're going to last you a little bit longer. Sure. And for the most part, you're not going to notice the difference in thickness. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's degrees, right? It's millimeters, whatever you want to call it. It's very small. Um, but I always just tell people, try it out. They're really good gloves. You won't be disappointed. They last a little bit longer than you're used to. And now we've come out with a premium glove. We have all these accessories that we've dived into. We've got glove cases. We're coming out with a leather glove wallet, which will debut at the Fargo member guest next year. I love it. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) But um, it has been a really interesting adventure going from on the golf course to to selling golf clubs behind a desk fulfilling orders shipping them out mm-hmm. uh i've learned a ton about business about how you know people like to spend their money where orders come from how digital advertising works just the whole gamut and yeah. I, I don't understand all of it mm-hmm. but um it, it's been a great two and a half years and we're just you know we're just getting started red rooster just getting started he said but uh, obviously my golf spy that was a that was a big endorsement and and we have we have guys avid golfers come in the shop every day they'll buy a glove every round you know they'll sweat midsummer just about i mean they're ripping gloves or you know it's really humid out they'll sweat through the whole thing in one day Uh, they're starting to wear wristbands in front of their glove you know so if if you have Mm -hmm. a a little bit of a thicker glove or get on a subscription you know have these golf gloves uh show up to your door it's Guys go through gloves you know, and gals go through gloves a lot quicker than you think. You know, I say that with surprise when you said every round, but I have guys who buy three a month, four a month, and and who knows? They could play seven days a week, you know, 27 holes a day. I have yeah. no idea. Mm-hmm. And they might be in Florida where the temperatures are 
are god awful and the humid humidity gets to you and you sweat through a glove but um it's a it's an interesting business because you know it's replenishable right mm-hmm. you're not selling them a driver that Absolutely. they're going to keep yeah, you're not going to sell them a driver that they're going to keep for two years. You know, you're going to sell them a glove, which um, hopefully they buy once a month or once every two months or whatever it is, whatever the case may be. Uh, I should point out that yeah. we have one one time purchases at well. We don't limit it to just a <laughs> subscription. Sure. And I think if I'm being honest, 85% of our purchases are one time purchase. Okay. Well, they're just trying yeah. out before their subscription. That's what those are. Uh, By the way, yeah, I mean, I need to get on that mailing list can i get some i need some gloves right <laughs> well keep it in the um, family i need some gloves hey we'd be happy to send you some dave on the house <laughs> there's no problem there oh, this is good stuff well uh red red rooster check out men's gloves women's gloves kids gloves accessories gets you some diff, gift cards and even a starter kit and uh this golf course go to, go to this website what talk about this golf course real quick here at the end of this deal. Talk about this golf course that you filmed this. On Look at video. that place. Yeah. Look at that place. <laughs> RedRoosterGolf.com. Yeah, it's, um, it's called Devil's Pulpit. There's two golf courses up in Caledon, uh, Ontario, which is a little bit north of Toronto. Devil's Pulpit and Devil's Paintbrush. Uh, I've only played Devil's Paintbrush holes 1 to 18. I played it once. I shot 63. And I'll tell you a funny story. This legendary golf writer is a member there. His name is Lauren Rubenstein. And he wrote about it the next day because I guess the guys in the shop told him that I'd shot 63. Now, this was in the middle of 2013, so I'm on the PGA Tour. And he writes on, I can't remember if it was Twitter or if he wrote an article and he included just a little blurb in it about it. But he goes, you know, I I came into the paintbrush pro shop the other day and they said that uh, Brad Fritch was out here and he shot 63. Boy, he can really play. And I said to myself and a couple other guys it kind of annoyed me like you think they just give out pga tour cards like what do you <laughs> what, what's what's going on here no but you <laughs> like, passed the devil's like, pulpit i, I guess yeah. i guess um but uh the paintbrush is kind of a linksy style course got right. a really great par three probably one of the hardest in canada and then devil's pulpit is what you're seeing sure that's the 10th tee it's it might be the highest point in in the Toronto area and you can see the CN tower from there. And we just got, we got there at five 30 in the morning just to make sure that we captured the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was an awesome day. We filmed a bunch there. We filmed kind of a, like not an infomercial, but, but we filmed kind of our aspirational video there, I guess yeah. you could call it. Yep. And, um, it, it was awesome. It looked amazing. I wish I could have played, you know, holes one to 18, but we didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's a heck of a golf course from what I could tell. Well, Brad, best of luck with Red Rooster Golf. This is a really cool endeavor that uh, two and a half years in, PGA show, thinking I have a, a booth this coming January. We'll see you there. And, hey, uh, keep keep us updated on the decision for Q School. I'd love to see you tee it up and compete. You know, get, catch you a hot putter and just go. Just go. I know it's in there. I know the drive is in there. I know the want is in there. Um, so, Hey, we'll, we'll we'll follow you along. Obviously, check in with me, and and we'll share with all our viewers if you're going to play or not. And then, and then when you do, we're going to follow you very closely through Q School. I think the key could be, so about a month ago, I ordered a putter from my old Scotty Cameron tour rep, and I said, Brad, his name's Brad. I mm-hmm. said, Brad, can you get me the exact opposite of what I'm using right now? <laughs> so I, I typically use like a, a Newport style, and he's like, okay, opposite. So I'm going to go with 
uh, face balanced, yep. lots of room in the back, mallet style. Let's put some extra weights in the back, like all just oh, complete the, opposite. The so thing like, is going to swing so itself. Some, the thing is going to yeah, swing I itself. Got, I got some kind of a phantom, like 11.5 tour proto or something. I don't even know what it's called. Just a but, weapon. Uh, just I've a used weapon. it a couple times, and I tell you, it does feel different stroking <laughs> those really short putts. Yeah. Uh, there's so much weight behind it, and there's so much, I don't know, the MOI is it's great it's it easier really so, it's just back and through it, you don't have to think about yeah. it your hands can't get in the way especially if you're used to a lighter putter it's just it's back and through i've switched to i went scotty cameron for years and years i switched to a heavier pxg putter and it's not just because i'm wearing a pxg i like i it is so much easier three feet and in it's it's almost just you can just go up there one-legged and just go back and through it's a piece of cake it's uh putting is an amazing enterprise it really is you know you see guys who are hot for years like spieth and then all of a sudden he can't make a four footer i um i've never had that problem it's the eight to ten to twelve footers that i just don't make enough of and when you hit it really well you have plenty of those and not seeing those go in on a even a percentage basis like on an average you know tour pro basis is it's very discouraging and it makes you you know double down on trying to be too perfect and all of a sudden yeah head explode right <laughs> well i'm glad you got a new yeah. putter i'm glad you got a new putter yes. and so keep us updated it was fantastic to see you this past week and the whole family and and i'm glad you joined us here on the hole in one show podcast man it was it was a pleasure having you and and we'll have you back on uh with uh you know updates and updates in the pro golf world your your pro golf world and and red rooster golf so best of luck brad and it was great to have you Thank you, Dave. I had a great time with you and your girls. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad that I preempted Kelsey's appearance on the Hole in One <laughs> Golf Show podcast. She was pretty excited about uh, appearing. I don't know if she's being sarcastic or not, but I think it's great that she's into golf right now. It's it is. It I is really it. cool. And I told her, I said, you're so into golf. You're a new lady, ladies golfer. You, we, you are perfect content. You are perfect information to get out there and talk about being brand new to the game and why you're addicted all of a sudden. My wife hasn't stopped golfing in nine weeks. It's absolutely fantastic. And I've been trying to get her on the pod. She's like, nope, 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 nope. And I was like, all right, I'll have Brad on. She goes, okay, good. Because if you're not going to be on, he's going to come ask me. So I'm going to keep asking. I need your help. Send her messages. We're going to get Kelsey on this podcast. I'm on it. All right, buddy. Thanks for being, uh, thanks for being here, man. You got it. I had a great time. All right, folks. Thanks for, uh, Tuning in to the Hole in One Show podcast, Family Affair. Uh, this was a ton of fun. A lot of good insight from Brad Fritch. A long career in professional golf. New endeavor with Red Rooster Golf. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week.